Welcome to St. Agnes Quick Talks. If you'd like to support this podcast, homilies, and other audio recordings, consider making a donation. We now have a donation box right on our SoundCloud channel. Today's speaker is Brandon Wanless, who is a theology teacher at St. Agnes School. Brandon has an MA from St. Paul Seminary School of Divinity and is an Ave Maria University PhD candidate. Brandon is also the host of Set Contra, a podcast of Catholic theology, a monthly podcast discussing theological questions with academic theologians and philosophers. You may find this podcast on various platforms, including Stitcher and iTunes. Mary in Salvation History. My name is Brandon L. Wanless. I teach theology at St. Agnes School, and I'm the coordinator for the Lenten Lecture Series at the Church of St. Agnes. From the outset, I'd like to express my indebtedness to Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, and I'd like to highly recommend his little book on Mary entitled Daughter Zion. I'd like to begin with a passage from St. Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, part of a reading that is sometimes used by the church for Marian feasts, but can be a bit puzzling, or at least can seem like a stretch as if the church is grasping at straws and using it as a reading about Mary. My contention is, however, that Mary's role in salvation history can be summed up in verses 4 and 5 from Galatians chapter 4. Quote, But when the fullness of time appeared, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Galatians 4 calls this incarnation the fullness of time. God sent forth his son in the fullness of time. So here in Galatians, we see Mary's role in history as inextricably tied to God's entering into human history and being the mother of Jesus Christ, who is truly the Son of God, personally, Mary is also, therefore, truly the mother of God the Son. So in a summary way, Mary's role in salvation history is as the mother of God, bringing by her fiat of acceptance of God's will, bringing God into time into salvation history at the eternally designated and appointed time. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. Galatians 4 says, in the fullness of time, born of a woman. There's this particularity, this historical realism that's emphasized here by this fullness of time and born of a woman. At a particular time, In a particular place, among particular people, God came to live a particular human existence, experience a particular human life, dwell in a particular home, eat particular food from particular creatures, think particular thoughts, work a particular job with particular tools, drink from a particular well, speak particular words, 
see particular sights. That is all to say, to be the son of a particular woman, a woman chosen by him from all eternity. Mary thus has been anticipated in salvation history, just as her divine son has been. Mary is the daughter Zion, typologically foreshadowed by the righteous women of Israel throughout its history, such as Anna, sorry, Hannah, Esther, and Judith. Mary's righteousness is clear in that she is the truest, the greatest example of a Christian who lives before, during, and after the incarnate life of Christ in humble fidelity to true worship of the Lord, perfect attentiveness to his messianic role, and in eager anticipation of being united with him again in glory. Mary, better than anyone else, lives a life of faith working through love, serving as the premier example of the virtue of faith in the, in the New Testament, just as Abraham did in the Old Testament. But the larger context of chapter 4 and Galatians generally is the end of the sacraments of the old law, especially circumcision. And so what does all this have to do with Mary? I mean, after all, she is a woman, so she would have never even been circumcised. Galatians even seems to emphasize that insofar as she's simply referred to as a woman. That's it. My contention is that Mary is the hinge of the old law and the new law, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the old dispensation and the new dispensation of the grace of the Holy Spirit. In a word, Mary is the hinge of all salvation history. In her person, Mary is both the fulfillment of faithful Israel and the beginning of faithful church. Pardon the reference, but the 90s rock band Semisonic taught us all that, quote, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. End quote. Just as Jesus Christ brings an end to the need for and requirement of the sacraments of the old law, so too does Christ usher in a new beginning of grace through his church and the sacraments of the church. But just as grace builds on nature, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, Christ's new beginning is not simply a dispensation of God's will, but a new creation particularly in the resurrection of Christ's humanity into glory. St. Paul recognizes this later at the end of his letter to the Galatians, when he states that, quote, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision count for anything but a new creation, end quote. He says the same in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, quote, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, Behold, the new has come. End quote. It is precisely in this vein that the church, 
even from the ancient times of St. Irenaeus, has identified Mary as the new Eve, who serves as a helpmate fit for her son, the new Adam, in bringing forth the new creation of men and women through grace. Mary is the new Eve as the beginning of this new creation in salvation history. Unlike Eve, however, Mary is the redeemed woman mother who, instead of distrusting God and turning to satisfy her own will as Eve did, instead is the one woman in human history who is perfectly attuned to the holy will of God throughout her entire life. Mary, more than any other Israelite ever, is clearly the righteous remnant of Israel that God had promised that he would preserve for the accomplishment of his salvific plan. As St. Paul says in Romans 11, quote, at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace, end quote. Who better would that refer to than to Mary? Relatedly, Mary in her bodily assumption into heaven shows us the goal of our own redeemed humanity in Christ, and thus of human history in its complete perfection. So, in summary, what is Mary's role in salvation history? It is at least threefold. One, Mary is the new creation, ushering in the new Adam in human history. Two, Mary is the dawn of the church, the first and greatest disciple of Christ. Three, Mary is the eschatological icon of the redemption of human history at the end of the age, wherein she exercises maternal mediation and intercession for the church. So, Mary can accurately be called the personification of Israel, of the church, and of glorified humanity resurrected in Christ. Mary is Israel. Mary is the church. Mary is the prototype of final redemption. In the words of the theologian Matthew Levering, quote, Mary is recognized as most fully a saint, end quote. Therefore, let us venerate and implore the Queen of Heaven and the model for every Christian as we join in the proclamation of the prophet Zephaniah. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cast out your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love.